Welcome to another Kingdom Community Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. And I remember looking at him and thinking, your eyes are like a newborn child. I don't see any pretense or hypocrisy or sin. I don't see any reading between the lines. There's just this innocence in the eyes of Jesus. There's this innocence in the eyes of Jesus. And then I started thinking about Mary. Mary in a manger and looking down at this baby with his precious eyes looking at her with this absolute innocence and she wanted to protect this child that had been given by God. And she would take this child anywhere, any place to protect it. Even when the Lord said, take this child to Egypt, she took it overseas to a different culture, a different country, but she wanted to protect this child. And every time she looked at Jesus, she saw that innocent look in his eyes and he was the perfect lamb. And then she saw all these other children around and they actually changed. They started to get impacted by the world and circumstances and friendships and she saw all these children change but every time she looked at her son, something's take stayed the same. His eyes never changed because he was always the perfect lamb of God. He always had this innocence and this purity and this love towards her that was never, never contaminated by anything else than just the purity of the father's heart. This beautiful, innocent connection that she wanted to protect her whole life. The Lamb of God. And every time she looked at him, her heart would surge with love. The love of a mother, the heart of a protector. And she saw him grow in wisdom, but never grow in sin. He always had the innocent eyes of a lamb. Doesn't that just blow you away? He always had those innocent eyes of the Lamb. And every time we perceive that relationship with Jesus, we've got to keep in mind that He is the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. And He's grown in wisdom and His eyes are fiery with love when He looks at us, but He always is that Lamb of God. And I just, I feel shaken when I think of that. The innocence of the heart of God and that, that love connection that you can have with Him that is so uncontaminated. There's a purity in that, and a beauty and a holiness in that. That's the heart of the Father for us. He has plans to prosper us. His heart for us is good. And his love is fiery. It never changes. The Lamb of God, he never changes. He's the lion. He's got that fiery, roaring love, but he's also the Lamb. But you know that Jesus, as we just 
you know, recognised through what Sheck just shared, came into the earth as, as a child and lived for 30 years before he even started ministry. And as he started ministry, he did a bunch of ministry before he went to that moment on the cross. And it's interesting, as I've been looking through all the things that Jesus did, I recognise something that's a common subplot, if you like, to Jesus' whole life. I mean, he, went, he came to the earth to redeem us, to go to the cross, to die on the cross, and to be our salvation point. But there's a subplot plot in everything that he did, which comes out so often through what he teaches, and we can miss it if we're not careful. And that subplot is this, to reveal the heart of the Father to the people. The subplot in everything that Jesus did was to reveal the Father's heart. Why? Because the whole reason he went to the cross was about reconciliation, was about bringing us back into right relationship with the Father whom we have been estranged from. Now in the world today, it's not hard to understand what it's like to be estranged from a Father because there are in almost every community upon the planet, there are children that are estranged from their fathers and there are adults who, are, who grew up estranged from their fathers. Either through something that took place in that relationship that tore them apart or the fact that the guy wasn't there in the first place. There's a whole bunch of that in the world today. and We are living in a world which was not as God designed. And families have been torn apart and they are not as God designed. There's a sense in which we've got to live with that to a certain degree. But God, in his wisdom and his grace, looks upon all that is happening upon the earth and says, I want to do something about that. And what he had to do was send his own son, Jesus Christ, into the world to reveal his heart. How many people know that the ability to come back to God is our choice. God doesn't force anybody. And so that restoration process is something that is an invitation and not a command. Restoration with God is an invitation. It's you are not only welcome, you're wanted, you're longed for, you're loved, you're cared for, you, but you don't have to respond. And we don't have to respond. And how many people know that when they have a bad relationship with their father, doesn't matter what their dad will do, they don't want to know him anymore. And I know many people upon the planet today who are just like that. Their relationship is so estranged they don't want to have anything to do with him. He's done something bad. He's done something that hurt me. He's done something that is unforgivable. Now God hasn't done that. But because we are brought into the world and live through a life cycle of our own, which has all these thoughts and ideas and worldviews and, and our own experience rolled into one, many people upon the planet have no clue how to relate to God as a father. Have no clue how to absorb or even accept that kind of love. You know, the amount of people you know, and you've got different generations, right? So the generation prior to me, so I'm like the very first of what they call, or is it the very last? Uh, no, I'm the very first of the X generation. Right? I didn't quite make it into being a baby boomer, right? I'm just not quite old enough to be a baby boomer, but some of you here are, right? You know what I'm talking about. You've got that that era, most of the baby boomers were brought up with parents of the war, right? Were brought up with parents whose, and, and fathers particularly, and, and there was this subculture within, let's just talk about Australia for a moment, right? There's a subculture within Australia which wasn't particularly big on expressing love to your kids, you know, like you almost, if you remember back to the old film, The Sound of Music, who remembers The Sound of Music, you know, and the general, uh, you know, and all the kids would line up, and they'd be inspected, you know. You good enough? Yeah. Yes, sir, you know. And it was this whole, yes, sir, no, sir, you know. My dad was the commander-in-chief of our house, you know. 
And so a lot of kids were growing up with that. They never got to have the little cuddles on the knees and the holes. And if they did have that, they don't remember it because it was too young. By the time they got old enough to make their own choices, three, <laughs> you know, three-year-olds, how, anyway, we won't go there. I've had, I've had five kids, I know what three-year-olds are like. But hey, we have this, this world view that we, we have to wrestle through. Whatever our worldview is, whether we were brought up to be cuddled and loved upon by dad or abused or rejected or thrown on the trash, you know, everybody's got their own story. And the thing is, as we, as we recognize that, and as God, through all his wisdom, recognizes that, the one thing that, that was the subplot through everything that Jesus did was to reveal his heart. Because he's a good father. We've sung about it, but how many people actually know it? And the key is for us to get to a place where we actually know that he is a good father. So let's have a look at just a couple of things that Jesus did upon the earth, which might help us to understand that. Right? So when Jesus healed the sick, what's he doing? He's not just helping a person, he's revealing the heart of the Father for the person who's sick. Huh? Isn't that amazing? Like when you look at it from that perspective, he's revealing the heart of the Father. Heal the sick. When he fed 5,000 people with a few loaves and a few fishes, it's not just a story about a miracle, it's a story about the heart of the Father being revealed to a bunch of hungry people. You know, the disciples, they didn't have the heart of the Father. Let's just send them away, God. You know, Jesus. We don't have any food, let's just go and have our lunch because we've got just enough for us. Maybe not even that much. We need to go to the corner store, you know. And Jesus says, no, I want to show you something. He's revealing the heart of the Father. He's revealing it through a miracle which we, we, we get caught up in the miracle and we miss the intent of the heart. That is, wow, God loves. God has enough for everybody. God's a good father. He's got a big fridge, right? Yeah? When Jesus ate with outcasts of society, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the, the people that normal society didn't want to associate with, what was he doing? He was revealing the heart of the Father. He was saying, this is my dad. How do we know that? Because Jesus said it. He said, there's, there's nothing that I do without it being from him. Um, John 5 Verse 19 and 20, most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the Father doing. Yeah? For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Marvel. That's an interesting word, like Wow. What's the wow about, though? Is it about the miracle? Is it about the supernatural? Or is it about the love? Wow. I'm blown away by this love. I don't know this kind of love. This is an extraordinary kind of love. Understand the culture that Jesus was walking into. It was a culture where the man of the house was the boss. Women were inferior. Think it through for a moment. The whole culture that Jesus was releasing this into, it was a law-based culture, right? The law of Moses, not just the Ten Commandments, but 613 jolly laws that made life tough because there was a whole bunch of stuff that every, every other community on the planet were allowed to do that they, they weren't allowed to do. And when they did it, they had to recompense that with some kind of sacrifice, some kind of system that would bring them back into relationship with God. And Jesus said, that's not God's heart. And say, oh, but God set it up. God set it up in response to the people. Do you remember just prior to the Ten Commandments being released, the invitation that happened at Mount Sinai? Do you remember? What was it Carmel? Sinai, Carmel. Well, it was one of those mountains, right? Big mountain that part of the world. Moses went to the mountain and the people were gathered around the mountain. The mountaintop was fiery, right? and fiery. <laughs> it was the thunder and lightning. Oh, and the presence of God was so thick and so amazing. And God said, come. To all the people, all these people who, who escaped Egypt, millions of them, out in the desert, 
around this mountain and God says, come. He's, the invitation was there, but they didn't have to respond. And guess what? They were fearing. They didn't respond. They were too afraid. They didn't respond. They didn't come close to the mountain. What was the result? Ten commandments, 613 laws. This is how we're going to do relationship. If you don't come to the mountain where there is peace, where there is relationship where you respond to me and we respond together. When they were in the desert for 40 years, right, there was amazing things going on while they were there. God looked after them. They had all these laws, which they shouldn't have had to have abided by. They shouldn't have had to have them put upon themselves, but they did. And that's the way it is. There was this law-based society, which was not based on the heart of the Father at all. It was based on the response of the people. God says, okay, so if that we're not going to do it that way, we're going to do it this way. This is our, this is our negotiation of relationship until we can sort things out better, yeah? This is simple, but it's, it, it's profound at the same time. So, Jesus comes to earth to reveal the heart of the Father. They bring a, a lady caught in adultery and throw her at his feet. What are you going to do about this one, Jesus? What does Jesus do? He reveals the heart of the Father. Well, he who has no sin, let him cast the first stone. Because what was, what was, what were they wanting? The law to be applied. Yeah. What was the law? Take her outside, stone her to death. Now I can tell you now, the people today in the world have been stoned to death under that kind of ritualistic, rule-based system. I've had the very horrible experience of seeing it happen on YouTube. I couldn't watch for more than a couple of moments and I didn't know what I was watching until it started happening and I realised what was going on. And by the time I realised what was going on, it was too late for it to be taken out of my mind. Like the very first time I saw a man's head taken. I didn't know what was going on until it was too late and then when I went to press stop, it was already etched in my memory banks and I don't want to see that kind of stuff. But the reality is it's real happens and it was a part of their culture but Jesus came to change all of that to reveal the heart of the father because that is not the heart of the father the heart of the father is what Jesus showed us what do we do if someone caught in sin restore them that's the heart of the father why because God is all about reconciliation it's all about restoration Jesus came to restore to bring people back to life. Amen? Jesus told a bunch of stories as well and where we find them in the Bible as written as parables and the parables are stories that they may or may not have happened. They were made up stories. But they were stories to tell a point, to get a point across. And Jesus would often say something like, the kingdom of God is like, or the, you know, the Father is like this, or the, and what he's doing is then he's going to tell this story that reveals something. And one of the most famous ones is the story which we have described as the prodigal son. How many people know that story? The prodigal son. The story is that the father has the son, and he's a wealthy landowner, and the son, one of the sons, one of the two sons comes to him and says, Dad, I want my inheritance now. I don't want to wait until you die. Um, I want you to sell off part of your property. That would have been mine. That half or whatever it was, that would have been given to me when you passed away. I want, I want that now because I want to live and enjoy it while I can. I don't want to wait until I'm really old to enjoy it. I want it now. And the father, under normal Jewish culture, he would have said, no way, Jose, you know, or whatever his name was. <laughs> he would have said, that's not going to happen. In fact, the son, in that circumstance, would have been dragged out and stoned. Or ridiculed, or at the very least, the whole community would have got to hear about it, and they would have had a collective bargaining 
sort of situation where they, what are we going to do with this rebel? But this father, on the other hand, goes, no, okay, all right, let's do this. I love you. Okay. What does he do? He gives him his portion of the family's wealth so that he could go and do whatever he wants with it. Now, the, son, the story is that the son went away, squandered it all, and ends up in a pig, pig pen, um, pretty much not even being allowed to eat the food that the pigs eat. He was in a desperate situation. No friends, no more. Squandered the whole life. We know that story. And then he decides, I'm better off just being a servant in my father's household. I'm going to go home again. So he heads back home. And on the way back, he sees his father waiting for him. What is Jesus doing in this story? He's revealing the heart of the father. Now let's go back for a minute. Before this amazing reconciliation, let's go back to the moment when the father gave the goods away. What's the heart of the father in that? All all that he would have put up with as a local Jewish man having his son rebel against him, walk out with the goods in that culture would have been like ridicule. His name would have been mud as a result of going through that process. And Jesus' listeners would have known that. They would have been like, wow, that's just shocking. Like, how could a son do that to his father? You're supposed to honour your father in our culture. This is reprehensible. But the father, rather than having a desire for his own name, rather than having a desire for his own wealth, rather than having a desire for all that was his, his highest desire was revealed. Relationship with the son. The most important thing to him in that moment. And so what does he do? He accommodates the son's desire. He accommodates the son's heart. He accommodates the son's situation in the hope that by doing so, he has an opportunity to rebuild relationship later on because that's his number one priority. Yeah? I don't know if you can see that, but that just comes clear to me. And that is proved again when he's standing at the, at the gate when the son is coming home and the son falls at his feet and rather than restoring his own reputation and saying, right, community is the boy. is the one who did all that to me. Let's sort him out. No, he's like, no, put the, put the cloak on him, which is a symbol of family, of sonship. Put the ring on his finger, the symbol of restored identity. Kill the fatted calf. Bring people together and celebrate for my son who was lost is now found. And so you find this amazing picture of restoration right in the middle of all of this. Yeah? Now... In the world that we live in today, restoration is not an easy thing. And there are many people, on both sides of the fence, by the way, I'm a father of five. And I can tell you now that my heart for my kids is immense. Right? But there was a time where everything fell apart and I had to walk away from that family situation. And I can tell you that that pain, that that, that Separation put on my kids was equally as immense. And I even today I experience that pain being, even though my relationship with my kids is restored, I never really lost relationship with them except that they they were hurting, you know. And I was hurting, and so there was separation for a while. It's, it's, it's been restored largely. But even just this week. You know, I, I encountered something that tested my heart. And I'm not even 100% sure how my response would have been if I hadn't been the fact that I was researching this message. And I had these thoughts just rolling around in my heart. Right? So one of my sons, using social media, posted a picture of our family when we were young on Facebook for all to see, where he cut my face out and put the face of a cat in my place. Now you can imagine being a father who loves his children and loves and, and is still hurting over that loss in many ways, that 
took me a little while to wrestle through that. That was this week. And I didn't know what to do, mate. Because we've got, tomorrow, I've got all the kids and their partners and everything getting together. And I'm shouting to dinner. I'm taking them out to dinner tomorrow night. So we've got a table for 10 books, right? When you've got a bunch of kids, you've got to do tables for 10. Just tell them, right? And I'm paying for them. And I've got all this organised. And then I've got this experience where my heart is almost like stabbed. Know, through this moment, I'm like, what do I do with that? Because inwardly, it's like I want to back away now. You know, you know how when you're hurt, you just want to back away. You ever have that experience where you just want to take a step back and just go, oh, I can't do this. This is too hard. I don't, this hurts too much for me to be able to To press through, you know what I'm saying? And I had that for a few moments. Like, and Sheik wasn't there, and I was like, where's the one to talk to? <laughs> but I started talking to God, and, um, and I started remembering this. So, the thing that God's been teaching me lately, probably over the last 10 years <laughs> since all of this took place, um, is when something's going wrong, to Take a step back before you respond. Because <laughs> if you respond with the first thought, you could do some damage. Because sometimes you've got to wrestle with what's going on in here before something comes out, right? And so I had to do the whole inward wrestle before I was able to do the outward thing. And I started thinking about this and I thought back to the heart of the father and the story of the prodigal son and I realised that his primary relationship, his primary objective was relationship. And I, and I thought, okay, so if my primary objective is relationship with my kids, then I have to wear the pain for the possibility of relationship. I got in the car, I went to drive, I was going to Bunnings to do something, I was having a, I, I had a um, a project I was working on. And as I was driving, the thought came to me, ask him, what, is he's okay, my son, the one who posted it? So I ring him on the phone, and he answers. I said, hey son, and before I could even say, hey son, are you okay? He said, hey, hey dad, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I was only messing around, I didn't really mean anything by it. And I said, are you okay? And I wanted to let him know that I'm, well, he found out that I was hurt, but I wanted to let him know that my primary concern is my relationship with him. And I can tell you what, 10 years ago, there's no way in the world that I could have done that. Absolutely none whatsoever. Possibly even just a couple of years ago, I couldn't have done it. It would have taken me a month of Sundays to process that and come up with the right answer, and I would have done a whole bunch of wrong things and possibly even destroyed that relationship out of response, auto-response. And the auto-response comes from whatever's going on inside of you. Yeah? And that's why we've got to get a revelation of the heart of the Father because our auto-response to God is often out of the pain inside of you, not out of the desire of God for that relationship with us that is so pure. And so our auto-response to God oftentimes comes out of our brokenness and our woundedness and our sense of hurt and our sense of pain and our sense of rejection and our sense of abandonment or our sense of anger or our sense of loss or lack of love or lack of peace or whatever it might be that we have experienced in our journey. And God wants to restore us and wants to reconcile us to himself and and, and when we have that relationship with God impacted by the stuff that we know, that we've experienced, that we have in our subconscious mind, that we have in our, in our history, that relationship is nowhere near what it could be. And God is desiring uh, a could-be relationship with us, not a not even a should be, it's a could be, because he doesn't force us, he invites us, come, come in, come into 
be a part of and enjoy. But we've got to get to that place where we can actually engage. And if we can't engage, wow, that can be so hard, can't it? So back to the story of the father and son reconciliation. So the, the son comes home, he falls at his father's feet, so he's remorseful, right? And, but the father, rather than dealing with him according to what had happened, he dealt with him according to his heart. And that is the father's response to us. And we've got to get that revelation if we want to come into the right relationship with him. Jesus not only came into the world to show us the Father's heart, but he, he also came in to give us the commission to be carriers and revealers of the Father's heart in the world. And so a part of the journey that we have as Christians as followers of Christ, as we come closer to Christ, we get the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is one that is at peace with the Father. And everything comes out of that peace with the Father. So as we are at peace with the Father, out of a restored relationship, everything that we do then ought to be also the same as what Jesus did, and that is to reveal the heart of the Father, which is something that I haven't been good at. I've been a pastor for 30 years, I shared on, the, on, on um, Adrian's um, video blog yesterday that you know, probably the first 20 years of my pastoral ministry was, was through a wrong filter. A filter that didn't really know the Father's heart. And so it was a law-based, performance-based relationship that I was promoting, which is not the heart of the Father. And so much of what I taught, I believed, but it was wrong. Because it was all I knew. I had a relationship with God, but it wasn't a full relationship because it wasn't based on absolute truth. It was based on partial truth. And my desire for God was so intense, but it was all based on I have to perform, I have to do rules, I have to measure up, and when I don't measure up, gee, it's so good that I've got 1 John 1, 9, which says, you know, if you sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And I went back there time and time again, and I shared that yesterday as well. But Jesus says to his disciples, in uh, John 20, verses 21, so Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then it says that he breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit, he says. And then he says, if you forgive sins of any, they will be forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they will are retained. Now that just, that's the whole other message right there. But just take a moment to think that through. Right? You've got this incredible moment where Jesus says, what I've been tasked with, I task you with. What was the subplot of everything that Jesus was tasked with? Relief, reveal the heart of the Father. That's what we are tasked with, reveal the heart of the Father in the world that we live in, in all the relationships, in our relationship with our kids, in our relationship with our wife, in our relationship with our husband, in our relationship with our parents, in the relationship with our workmates, in the relationship with our neighbours. When we go and knock on a door, we bring the peace of God. If they don't want it, that's okay. Just walk away, wipe the dust off your feet, go to the next house. It's just the way Jesus taught it. But in the midst of that, he's saying, reveal the heart of the Father. God is not forcing anybody to do anything. If you don't want to do it, it's okay. He'll let you go. But his heart won't stop pining after you, even though you say no. It's the same with my kids. When my kids do something that hurts me, my heart for them doesn't stop pining after that relationship. God, like, just for the little bit that I have of awareness of who, of who I am and what I'm walking at, God is just immensely more than anything that I could be as a father. 
And even though I know that my passion for my kids is high, it just doesn't even compare to the passion of God for me and the passion of God for you. I want to read one more passage of scripture, which I think is just blows my mind. Um, and it's out of Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2. And I'll read the first verse and then I'll pause. It says, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. I'll read that again. God be merciful to us bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. In the original language they had the word sila or sila. After that means pause and contemplate that for a moment. The Lord be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. And then he goes on in verse 2. That your way may be known in the earth. Your salvation among the nations. Now, I'm just going to unpack that just for a minute. Be merciful to us. May your face shine upon us. Bless us. That your way may be known. In other words, if you don't bless us, if you don't show us your love and your mercy and your grace, and it isn't revealed in this relationship that we have, man to God, then the world won't see who you are. That your way may be known in the earth. Wow, that just blows my mind. So the love, the restoration between God and man must be made complete with at least somebody. So that God might be revealed to somebody else. The heart of the Father might be revealed in our relationship with Him to somebody else. That God would that people would see God in us, would relate to God in us, would relate to the Father through us, just like Jesus. As I have been sent, so I send you. Be an ambassador of the heart of the Father to the world around us. How are we going to do that if we've got this messed up relationship ideology? I heard Bill Johnson say once, he probably got it from someone else, I think. He just said, God is better than you think. He said, so you better change how you think. If you want to understand God, you've got to change how you think. You know, that's so true, isn't it? Because our thinking is what fashions who we know God to be. He's better than we think. So we've got to start thinking differently. How do we do that? Well, it says in um, Romans 12, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Before that, it says, submit yourself to the Father. Submit to God. When we submit to God, what are we doing? We're, we're entering relationship with the Father. Climbing up on His lap. Cuddling in. You know, we, we think of submission as, you know, like, Oh, Holy God. Oh, don't strike me, O mighty striker, you know. But there's a different thing. See, when you submit to someone, it's, it's, it, when, when Scripture talks about submission in that sense, it's talking about a love relationship. Husbands submit to your wives. Wives submit to your husbands. What's that about? If we, if we look through an authoritarian mindset, we can get all warped out by that kind of teaching. But if we look through the heart of the Father, we see something completely different. I'm totally submitted to share. I am. That's why when, my, when I had a messed up relationship with my son, the first person I wanted to talk to was my wife. Why? Because I'm submitted to her. And if she had said, don't say that or don't do that, then I wouldn't have. Why? Because in that moment, I'm caught up in emotion. She's able to see rational. And she does the same with me. She's submitted to me. It's a love submission. It's a relationship where I'm not going to go and spend money from our bank account unless we're in agreement. And if I do, I'm in trouble. Why? Not because she's a hard taskmaster, but because I violated that trust. I violated that relationship by doing that. And then I have to grovel. <laughs> yeah. 
loss regardless. And I think if we can get that, and we can operate out of that truth, operate out of that revelation in our lives as parents. And, and can I just say that although this is seems to be all about fathers slash men, it's not. Because God is our father, but he's one in relationship with all his kids. So I've got three daughters. Fortunately, those relationships are really strong. Um, but there are moments where it's tough. But I guarantee you that God's heart for you is over, over anything you can possibly imagine on him. And so I want to take a moment as we wrap this up and just pray. And just invite you to maybe just release. And you might not be ready to do this, but if I just if I just pray this with you, I want to give you an opportunity whether you flow with me now or whether you just listen and go, okay, I'll do this at another time when I'm ready. But that's okay, because God's not forcing anyone to do anything. But I just want to pray with you and invite you into a bit of healing if that's what you need. Right? So why don't we just settle our hearts for a moment and just, yeah, as I pray, just either acknowledge it in your heart or just listen and process and see what God might do. So Heavenly Father, we just come before you now knowing that you have an incredible plan and a purpose for our lives. Our relationship with you hasn't always been that great. There's a whole bunch of reasons for that. Right now, God, I really want to know you as a father. So I, I just ask God that you just by your spirit come into any place in my heart, in my experience, in my journey that has a wound related to a father. The words spoken, things that have done, experiences, thoughts, maybe even that last moment, that last time we engaged. And I ask the Holy Spirit that you would just come in right now and bring your love into that moment, into my heart, into whatever I'm experiencing, into whatever pain I'm experiencing, that you would soothe that pain. In fact, right now, I don't really want to carry that pain anymore. And so I ask, Lord God, that as I voluntarily release it to you, that you would lift it off me like a burden is lifted. I sense today that, I'm just going to pause for a moment, I'm going to finish that for you. I sense today that there's a few folk here who have physical things going on in their bodies that relate back to their relationship with their dad. And there might be some unforgiveness there. The enemy is just using that unforgiveness to, to cause you a bit of physical pain. I just want to ask you right now, if, if you have, particularly if you have pain in your back, um, that comes and goes or is there constantly, I want you just to take a moment ask the Lord, Lord, do I need to forgive my father or parent figure, someone who's in authority in my life right now? You might not feel like doing it, but God wants you to do it. And if you just agree with him, rather than agree with yourself, and just say, okay, God, I forgive. And just release that to right now. I believe that God will come and lift that pain out of your back. So, Father, as we forgive those who have hurt us, particularly our fathers, for whatever they've done, abandonment, walking away, the abuse, some of the horrific, we, we, we choose not to agree with our pain, but we agree with you, and that is that you want to release us from that. 
burden. So we forgive, we choose to. Even if we don't want it, we just choose to because you're going to give us strength to do that. And right now, Lord, is there anybody who's done that? Lord, I just, I just take authority of it. Every spirit of affliction has come as a result of this kind of broken relationship. And I command you to get out of that right now. I command all pain to be released. And I pray, Father God, that you'll bring restoration to physical bodies. In Jesus' name. Lord, I ask that you would just draw us in, as we sang earlier, into the place of intimacy with you. That we would actually know that you're a good Father, that you love us. And that some of the ways which we respond to people in our lives, whether they our own children, or loved ones in our life, or the authority figures in our life, or other people that where we have auto-responses that don't line up with who you are. We ask forgiveness and we ask, Lord God, that you do a transforming work in our minds to help us to realise that we take a pause when we want to react, react and respond and just think through and ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? What's, how should I respond that lines up with you? And as a church, Lord, we want to be a greater witness of the Father's heart. So, would you teach us how to do that? As a pastor, Lord, I submit myself to you and I ask that you would teach me how to be a greater witness as a father, to reveal the Father's heart. And we can do that whether we're male or female. We just operate out of that kind of love for the people around us. So I ask, Lord God, that you would bring us to the place of revelation where that is our truth. And I just pray your peace over every person here. And if, I, if something is stirred up in us, Lord, that is was in pain, and I still God that we would even right now just enter into that. And when we're ready, that we will release it to you voluntarily, and that you would come in and bring that peace. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. This has been another Kingdom Community Church podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to www.kingdomcc.com.au. God bless.